0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have not subscribed on your most favorite platform, please do so today. And hey, at the end of this, make sure you leave a comment. So you know me, I like to keep my pulse on what's happening in the real estate world, the tech world, the mortgage world. Pretty much business is my favorite hobby. And one of the things I get to do is I get to talk to people that have their finger on the pulse. I have a lot of conversations I talk with a lot of people. I ask a lot of questions, but one of my favorite peeps is the guy I've got on the show today. I think this is the second or third time we've done this. He and his partnership, they write what's called the annual T3 Trends Report. The, the company's T360, right? One of the guys that's helping is Jack Miller, the CEO. Stefan Swampula has been on the show many times, another one of my heroes. Any chance you and I get to get I don't want to say our finger more on the pulse, to actually see around the corner to know what's coming. Today I was on the phone with the CEO and he's like, what's happening next? What do I need to be aware of? And I was able to rattle off three or four things directly from the trends report to say, this is the stuff I'm paying attention to. These are the things that as owners of companies, as agents, as team leaders, as loan officers, as tech companies, we've got to pay attention to so we know almost the the zeitgeist of all things real estate. So to help us do that, I've got Jack Miller on the podcast. Jack, what's up, man? Happy Tuesday. You,
1: Tom? It's great to be here with you again. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to bring bring some knowledge to all of your followers. So uh, it's great.
0: Thank you, ma'am. 1,000%. So it's funny, I was going back through last year's uh, trend report. So so for the people that have never maybe listened to you before or don't have co- uh, context for you guys are, um, give them just a little taste of... How much time and energy you guys go through to then articulate, and I think this is the 18th year in a row you've done the trends report. Like, what does that mean? Do you guys just sit in a room for one day, smoke some weed, and say, What's going on in real estate?
1: I wish it were so easy. Uh, and it is it is definitely not. So, yeah, this is our 18th year to write a trends report about the real estate industry. And just for context, you know, we're about a 40-person company. Uh, we have about almost 30 of our people are in consulting, working with brokers teams. A lot of your a lot of your right. top teams have worked yep. with us before yep. doing all kinds of things. And once a year we get our group together and spend a day brainstorming what we think is happening in the real estate industry, where we think the market is going, and we come up with usually about 20 trends that we think are impacting the industry. Yes. And then we turn it over to our research team to go do research. And then they spend about a thousand hours doing research on what's happening in the industry from many different perspectives, from the consumer perspective, regulatory, financial, uh, publicly traded markets, uh, actual practice, what are people doing in the practice of real estate, multiple listing system, association governance, kind of all areas of real estate. And then we distill it down usually to nine or 10 Trends And these, if we write about it, Tom, these are things that we think industry leaders, uh, top performers should pay attention to, it should be on their executive agenda in some form, and it may directly impact how you plan to handle your, you know, the coming year or two. Our trends report is really intended to cover what we think is happening right now. And is going to happen over the unfold over the next two to three years. So it's usually about a two to three year window on what we see impacting the the housing market, the industry, the residential brokerage practice.
0: A hundred percent. So thank you for that. And for the for my friend listening, uh, if you haven't followed Jack or his team, I certainly encourage you to do so. Um, this this book, it's interesting for me. Like I I find myself going through it. And again, I think about it like like I'm a subscriber to the Zeitgeist, right? So I want to know culturally, what's happening in the world, what's hot, what's not, you know, what's coming next. Uh, It makes me a better dad. It makes me a better business person. It certainly makes me a better, you know, just human being to have a sense of what's going on. So Jack, I've got all these questions sort of related to a bunch of the trends you guys are talking about. And I'm going to kind of bounce between last year trends, because I think there's some things that are still unfolding. Um, But I want to hit you out of the gate with probably the one thing that I've, I've sort of shared with people in a, a pretty direct way saying, hey, look, the industry is changing. Commissions are an issue. So one of the things you you guys talked about, and I wanna, I'm want taking off my glasses. It's funny, I have to take off my glasses now to read. Uh, right here, trend number one, evaluating real estate's compensation structure and its future. So everybody I know is looking at if you're a team leader, commission compression, consumers, agents, brokers, the joke is there's a reason why they call brokers broker. It's because of the commission models that are out there. So what is the future of real estate commissions? And tell me, can we also unpack what we think is going to happen with the class action lawsuit?
1: Yeah, those are great. Those are great questions, Tom. And and I've got, a, I've got a few of them. We've written a lot about the commission compression in the industry over the over the past you know decades. So because it's been a it's been a constant topic, and we've written about ways that brokers and and teams are attempting to cope with that. Whether it's offering additional services through uh, you know joint ventures where they get into mortgage or title or other areas of the business that capitalize on that same deal flow that's coming through the real estate uh, real estate brokerage side or whether they've done things like developed more of their own business via lead generation programs. A lot of brokers have done that or attempted to do it uh, in order to re-margin their business and say, look, we'll invest in generating business, and then we're going to charge a referral fee into our network. So we've, we've written about it a lot. The, the, the big picture here, and if you look at on, in our Trends Report this year, we published the, the average commission rate over uh, really since 2007, and, and it's not a pretty picture. It's, it's yeah. in decline. Uh, there's been pressure. Yeah, there's been consistent yeah. downward pressure uh on commissions. You know, we're we're down well, well below 4.9% now for the total commission uh, on a transaction based on public filings of very large companies that do a lot of transactions. And so we think that's going to continue, which means uh brokerages and teams that want to maximize their business are going to need to look for other ways to capitalize on the deal flow that's coming through their organization, whether that is with, you know, MSAs or joint ventures, or having some kind of co-shared ownership in other uh, other affiliated businesses, or starting up new lines of business to make the brokerage entity not the only thing that they've got going, or the real estate transactional entity not the only thing they've got going. So that's that's kind of, that's been going on for a while now, and yeah. it's not a newsflash to anybody that has been reading, uh, you know, a, a profit and loss in this industry for more than a few years. Right. On the other side, you asked a really important question about these compensation-related lawsuits, of which there are, there are, there are five of them. One of them has been certified as a class action. Uh, they they make a variety of claims, but from a practitioner's perspective, what it all comes down to is the sharing of the commission with the buyer's agent right. is being challenged in a variety of ways. And there's some, you know, I can talk a little bit about that. And then I can talk to you a little bit about outcomes, where we think that this is going to land.
0: So Jack, I've been, I've been basically saying to clients for the last two years, whether I'm, you know, live on stage in a summit, in a small meeting, in a podcast, whatever it may be. I basically say, look, if the class action lawsuit goes through and we have this sort of true bifurcation of commission where I'm going to list my house now for two and a half to 3%, whatever rate, Uh, the listing agent chooses to get or charge the seller, right? And now on the buy side, I'm literally telling agents, if your buyer presentation isn't rock solid, if you can't articulate the hours and time and work you spend to go out and represent them and then be able to say, and for this Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, you're going to pay me 2.5%, 2%, 3%. So I've been saying this and I and I sort of get the, you know, like the, the X's on the eyes when I say it, like, do you really think that's going to happen, Fairy? And I say, I think it's going to be one of three things. It's going to happen. And if it does, let's be prepared. Get your buyer presentation right. Get your value right. Or you will be disrupted by, Jack, I don't want this to happen, but, you know, you and I spend a lot of time in this industry. I think it's fair to say a bunch of companies will pop up. That essentially say for five hundred dollars we'll write your offer, and and the inti- let's just call it in the U.S. one hundred twenty-five billion dollars in commissions, half of it gets arbitrage down to pennies for people that essentially go legal Zoom versus hiring an attorney. So where am I wrong?
1: Yeah, so so you've got it, you've got it right. You've got it right. You're you're inoculating people in the best way possible, which is articulation of value proposition. And negotiating your value and payment on the front end by the way people are missing out on commissions due to them right now because they don't do this because right. they're all they're being offered two percent they do a ton of work they fight through multiple offer situations and they're not getting they're they're really not getting the amount of money they should receive based on yes. the level of service they've delivered right so that's happening today so i even i even tell people look you know, even if even if nothing happens, this is going to prevent you from being in an environment where you're not getting fully compensated for the amount of time. And if you do the hours that some buyers agents spend on transactions and realize what they're making per hour, it, it puts some fight in them. And I'd encourage right. that's a good exercise. That's a good exercise. But we there's a span of things that are going to happen, all the way from nut this is a nothing burger and nothing's going to happen. By the way, I don't think that's what's going to happen. To some level of disclosure is required on the, uh, the very beginning at the first, you know, serious contact with a, with a, a buyer or seller or prospect. You have to say, this is how the buyer's agency works. Right. Here's how I get paid. All the way to, it has to be included in an exclusive agency agreement, which must be signed every time in order for you to get paid, which there are some there are some places where it works that way.
0: There's uh, many states that have already implemented this, and I think it's really smart that they're doing that. Sorry to interrupt.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So so what it is, even if, even if it, it doesn't matter where we land on the spectrum, we land anywhere on that spectrum, people are going to be better if they're articulating their value and they're negotiating for it and saying, look, here's what I am requesting to be paid for the services I provide. And if I'm not paid by the seller, then the buyer needs to make it up to me. You you need to pay me for the rest of my services. And I I think that's the that's the big picture here. But but we do we do think that just our awareness of what's going on with the lawsuits and what we write about in the chapter, it it seems likely something's going to happen. Like something will come out of this in some way, shape, or form. That is going to change how we, how we do the compensation, at least from a disclosure perspective, right. Could go all the way.
0: You know, the hard part for me is having spent enough time traveling and doing workshops uh, around the world, having clients in, you know, 29 countries. Uh, For all my friends in Europe, they're like, oh, welcome to our world. All my friends in Australia, New Zealand, they're like, well, you know, South Africa, welcome to our world. And then I say, so like this, one of my, one of my dear friends, I think he's a client of you guys as well. His name is Michael Pulsler. They have about 30,000 agents throughout Europe and, you know, every nook and cranny. And so Michael and I would do these, these workshops back in like 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, where we were saying cooperation is the next great trend. Now, for my person listening, if you're in like North America, you're like, what do you mean? Well, what if I told you that if you were trying to buy a place in District 1 of Vienna and you and your your spouse were moving there, you would call and you'd, you'd say, hi, you know, hi, I'd like to look at this place at 1234 Banana Street. And they would say, oh, that's not my listing. Click and they would hang up on you. Now, you think I'm kidding, but because there was no buyer representation in place, The only thing they wanted to do was sell their own listings, and if you can imagine with no MLSs and no ease of access of information, no no all the things that we sometimes hate, Zillow, Realtor, Redfin, et cetera, the consumer experience was horrible. So Jack, my concern is we're going to go back to 1954 if this gets enacted. I think the consumer gets royally screwed in the process, not by the great agents, but by the in the U.S., the 1.5 million agents take the three or four hundred thousand that are exceptional. Everybody else,
1: there's some legitimate. There's some legitimacy to that perspective, Tom. I will say on the MLS side of the picture, which we wrote a whole chapter about yes, some of the things that are happening in the MLS environment. Uh, the MLS's are working really hard. A lot of the large regional MLS's and some of the ones that are part of these networks to yep. make sure that we have that data. That drives so much of the consumer experience. There are going to be some challenges in buyer agency if, if if there are changes. There are going to be some challenges there. That's that is absolutely factual. But I don't think we're going to roll back to 1954. I still think we're going to we're probably going to keep some of the benefits that the MLS provides with regard to data. But it will mean that the agents that are participating in transactions will need to be much better negotiating their their commission, or they're just going to be out. They're just right. going to be out. You, the, the days of I'll drive around and show you some houses, don't worry about how I get paid. Those days are, are are coming to an end. They really yeah. are.
0: And we will literally see hundreds of discount brokers think think Uber for buying a house. Literally, okay, I'll pay you, you know, one hundred and seventy-five dollars right at my offer. So, for my client, if you're listening right now, jump inside a loom, watch a coach, Alicia Essig. She is batting a thousand on meeting with a buyer, walking them through the contract, explaining all the legal, explaining how she gets paid. They sign a buyer brokerage agreement, and then her team or her go out and sell them a home. It's, it was one of the most Jack one of the most popular trainings. Uh, and we I think this was done in like January of. 2022 right and still today it's one of the highest ranked shows we've got inside of our you know internal training you mentioned MLS uh there was so much rumble uh at Inman right specifically just a couple of weeks ago uh, I was pinging uh, multiple CEOs of large tech companies not to be named saying all right so Andy is buying everything but you're you're Trend number 2 is the future of MLSs and my response is is CoStar the future of the MLS.
1: So there there's definitely a lot of reasons to watch CoStar for certain. It, it yeah. is um they bring a lot of uh resources to the table. A lot of capital. Uh right. they're a big operator. They know how to do things well. Uh and we wrote about some of this risk in last year's report when we said no asset I- yeah. Looking, massive looking right at it. Yep. Yeah, Massive consolidation trends that are happening with, with large tech companies that are, yes. that are buying components. It, it, it's a stretch with the structure of MLS for somebody to come in and do a takeover because it's not buying one thing. It's buying a lot of things and they're controlled by boards and you have governance problems. <laughs> you have all kinds of stuff. So right. it's more likely to you see them offer some kind of alternative or or do right. some kind of other maneuver. But you know uh I, there's still a lot in the MLs category that's happening by mlss that are trying to prevent that or just trying to provide you're really just trying to provide better services to their members and that that's where that's what we're why we wrote about it, is that that we do have some fairly well resourced large mls's and some networks of really strong right. mlss right they're banding together and saying we're gonna we're gonna do a, a, a much better job of providing our listings both to tech companies and also to the buyers and sellers that interact with agents.
0: And I think you and I would both agree. There are some MLS leaders that are on the forefront of innovation. They understand who their consumer is, the real estate agent, right? That they've got to provide great tools and great resources. And just for the person listening right now, wherever you're watching, make a comment. Tell us if you love your MLS or you don't love your MLS. And you got to be careful when you make your comments, but just, you know, heads up. But, I, you know, I need that feedback because, um, Jack, I, you know, we, we see some of these MLSs that are smaller, that are still sort of mom and pop operators. I think they're very um, disruptible, if that's even a word, whether it's Andy at CoStar, Zillow, uh, Redfin to a certain extent, the next new thing that comes out. So what is the future of MLS? What, like when, when you guys were writing this, w- give us like one or two insights. What can the, we the, expect yeah, from Yeah, the future MLS? we're
1: seeing, I think everybody, a few years ago, the big talk was about regionalization. That we were yeah. going to have regional consolidations, yep. you know, yep. big MLSs like Bright and MLS and Stellar and, you know, MRED, we're just going to roll everybody up around him. And what's happened now that some of that has happened. Some of that's that's accurate. Some of those little MLSs you're talking about, they're attached to a, a local association, have just said, you know what? It's way better if we just give our give our membership services over to a bigger entity who will do it in a cost-effective way for us and really up our service level. So that's happened. But the other thing that's happened that is novel and interesting is a lot of these MLSs are now working with each other across large geographic boundaries to provide shared services, to let people search up and down. There's movement right now to allow you know, MLS searching up and down the entire East Coast, all the way right. from Florida, all the way up to New right. York. That an agent, if you're serving a client in in New York or Pennsylvania or Baltimore, you can do searches in Florida for them, and then have a really quality, you know, customer experience and a great referral to an agent in Florida to complete the transaction. So there's some there's some movement of foot that is beyond just you know a big big MLS uh, rolling up a small MLS that's right next door. So so that's, that's part nice of that's it. Nice. And in in our chapter, we write a lot about those the specifics of the, how that's happening.
0: So. Again, you know, it's the uh, Buckminster Fuller. Do you know that name? Yeah. yeah. Created well. the geodesic dome. So, so my mentor, God bless him, Mike Vance, worked with worked with him when he was running. You know, part of Disney, he hired Bucky to create the geodesic dome at Orlando in 1938. Jack Buckminster Fuller coined a phrase. 1938, people, he said, ephemeralization, ephemeralization ephemeralization, and he said, with the advancements of technology, we will get more from more and less from less. And I was like, that's interesting. He said, until eventually we get everything from nothing. Now, when I heard that from Mike Vance, he said, ephemeralization is how do you get a lot out of a little or more for less without eventually spending another dime? What I keep seeing with the MLSs is just a level of efficiency, making an agent anywhere in the world more proficient with their clients, with their experience. Do you think that that trend continues where, like I jokingly say when I'm in New York, I'm like, how many of your clients have recently moved to Southern New York? And they all look at me and I go, you know, Southern New York, Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and they all laugh. Do you, do you think this sort of ease of experience is gonna drive more multiple, um, you know, multiple licensed stated agents? Like I'm licensed in Florida and New York. Or do you think it's just ease of access for experience to then get them to a good referral partner?
1: The, the future doesn't show up everywhere all at once, Tom, as you know. No. So they're gonna be there are gonna be some places where where you have sophisticated operators that are putting a lot of effort into making transactions easier, making the yeah. tools better, all of that. And so I think it's I think your viewers, it's gonna be a non-uniform experience. Some people are gonna be in certain parts and they're gonna say, I love my MLS and they provide all this great stuff, and other people are gonna say, I'm out in the middle of nowhere and our MLS is kind of old, right? And, yeah. and it's it's okay. That's just the nature of this business. I think we all see it coming. It's just coming at the rate that it comes given the, the, the size of this industry, the geography, the number of markets. You know, we saw 7%. We just did the stats on this. We saw between 2020 and now. We saw a 7% reduction in the number of MLSs nationally. We saw a 3.8% reduction in the number of local associations. And so it's happening, but it's 7% over a two or three year period, it, it takes a while, but it is happening. Right.
0: It is happening. All right, let's, let's switch gears. The song that's going through my mind is, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I want to skip right, I think I'm even the first time I've ever sang on my podcast. Um, uh, by, by the way, it's
1: pretty good. Make
0: make a comment if you want me to sing more or less on my podcast. Um, But the reason why I bring that up in that specific song is trend number four. I'm I'm switching and bypassing number three. Uh, Inside the Nations. No, no, no. I went to the wrong one. Number five, excuse me. Open Door. Silicon Valley's big bet. And I literally wrote down, is I buying dead? But I want to go deeper. Is I buying dead? Is... Raising capital for prop tech and real estate gonna be dead for a while. I also wanted I want to just put it out there. I think you're hearing it first on my podcast. I started saying March of last year, Jack, with all my top teams, all the you know, friends of yours and mine. I said, Don't be shocked when Redfin sells. Don't be shocked when Compass gets bought by somebody. Don't be shocked when Realtor.com gets acquired by somebody. Don't be shocked if Berkshire Hathaway buys everybody. Now, everyone, of course, when I say that goes, what's the inside baseball fairy? What do you know about Riffin? What do you know about Compass? What do you? I go, no, 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 no. I've just been in the industry for 33 years. I'm never shocked when the cards get shuffled and the ease of access to capital goes away, that companies that were once rising stars suddenly get acquired and just become another asset on somebody's shelf. So let's start with iBuying.
1: Yeah. So so iBuying, it's it's interesting. iBuying brought some legitimate uh improvements in consumer experience into our yep. industry and then led to power buying and a lot of this right. kind of integrated yep. real estate mortgage process, right? And yep. just just the fact, just the fact that via open door, consumers, I think for the first time ever on at scale, were able to register on an app, send over information you know, uh, being an legitimized, yep. be legitimized and I can go look at a house and I don't have to call anybody. I can right. just go and unlock the door myself and go in. Now we can, there's again, lots of debate we can make about that, but these companies made a lot of investments in changing consumer experience yep. and in, in actually innovating inside the mortgage financing process when it was linked up to real estate. So I think we think those changes are things we can learn from and things that are probably, they're not going to go poof. Nothing goes no. completely away. There's no. going to be some good parts that are going to be kept on, right? Yep. And, you know, Open Door may be out of the business of buying, but they might be in the business of Power Buying and some of these other companies as well, yeah. where they provide these uh, integrated uh, real estate services products that really optimize the way that people work. So I, I think we're going to, we wrote this report, we finished, we literally finished typing all the words in late September And then, you know, we put it into the design and get it all done. And then we hear like, oh, well, you know, Eric Wu is now no longer the CEO of Opendoor has been demoted and they're repositioning, which is predictable, which we knew is a risk. But this chapter, if you want to know about all the innovation, because they were by far the most innovative company in this category, if you want to look at the innovation and see what did they do to the consumer experience, that's what this chapter is about. And there's pieces of this that have already been picked up by a number of companies that are going to continue to keep it. And there remain opportunities, right? That will remain opportunities for the industry to improve the consumer experience and the integrated lending experience as well, which is has been challenging historically for many, many, many years. Uh,
0: and let's just talk about that. You know, I'm a I'm a you know spirit of transparency. I'm an investor, and a friend of mine started a company called Tomo Network. It's a digital first mortgage company. It does no refis. It is purchase only, and it's agent partnering only. And and I asked him. Why in the world this? Like, we could have rolled up nightclubs. We could have done something fun. Why did you take on the mortgage industry? And he said, "Think about the last time you did a mortgage." And I said, "Yes, it kind of reminded me of going to the DMV." And he said, "And that's exactly why it needs to be done. That's where my my hat goes off to. Whether it's Zillow or Open Door or so many of the others that were doing this eye buying experiment, right? I think there there is this." silver lining that the consumer deserves a better quality experience. The consumer deserves a better quality experience. pin you know and end of story, ephemeralization, it's always happening. So what about capital? A lot of these companies we're seeing, you know we're seeing all the major companies out there and some of these companies that are publicly traded that aren't hitting their earnings and man, they are cutting, 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 cutting. What do you think is going to happen? I'm just, let's just the, the ones that are in the headlines, Remax, Compass, EXP, Real just shaved all their real estate commissions for their agents that were out recruiting. Ouch. But I know Sharon, the president of the company, he's a finance guy. He's like, if we're bleeding, we're going to make cuts. So what do you think happens?
1: It's it's just that I think, I think this is an industry that loves to have, um, loves to have people to tear down, right? Of we, course. Go, we love a bad guy. We love a bad guy. We go, well, Zillow was a bad guy now. Open door maybe open door is a bad guy. Like who's yeah. a bad guy right now? It's these and it's these new companies bringing in innovation a lot of times, but you know they're they're driven by some very smart, ambitious, dedicated people, and they're yeah. going to do what they need to do. And I I think as as much as different uh you know d- different companies. Would like to say, hey, they're they Wall Street funded, they're Wall Street backed, they're right. private equity. Well, so was Amazon, so was Facebook, so were some of the greatest companies in the world. So, so I think it's a little I think it's a little premature to dance on anybody's grave. And I, I think that the the lesson to be learned is, well, what are they doing about it? And if they're yes. making cuts and they're trimming things up and they're improving their profit margins, guess what? They're doing what everybody should be doing right now. They're doing exactly. Bingo! What they
0: should be. Bingo. It's the same thing we've done with every CEO and every team that we talk to. Here's the smart cuts. Just don't cut into your growth because that's where you get into trouble. And everyone, all my friends know, Jack, like I am like you guys. I'm Switzerland. I work with everybody. But all you got to do is just open up Inman, which is, you know, sometimes comedy because it's just, you know, who's sleeping with who in real estate, right? But all those companies, as their earnings come out, you're going to see these adjustments. I think you said the right thing. All the great companies, all of them out there, every great brand we know run by smart people, trying to do the right things in an environment where in some cases, like in Southern California, if transaction count is off by 40 or 45%, you know, you're already a real estate broker. You don't want to become a really, really, really broke-er. So you got to make adjustments. So, so let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk about, uh, I'm looking down my list here. Oh yeah, trend seven. 2023 real estate brokerage talent playbook. What were you guys yeah. trying to get across there? Maybe, maybe give the, the listener what was the what was the aim here? What do you see as the trend?
1: Yeah, the trend here is, you know, the talent landscape has changed over the last four or five years. And some of that is acceleration of trends from the pandemic yeah. with yeah. uh just the way the market works now and, and how you know how hiring works now. The other is um companies and especially teams, a lot of the big teams that you work with are understanding that they need to specialize and have specific people in different roles within their organization in order for them to continue to grow and be really successful. And so in this chapter, we kind of summarize, like, these are all the changes we're seeing in the talent marketplace, with really with respect to management, executives, staff, uh, all the kind of key roles that we think are, are important for brokerage companies, for big real estate teams, uh, you know, for any anybody that's an operator, whether it's a franchise or just any kind of big company. So we went through and said, these are the trends that are impacting that. And, and that was really the goal for the chapter. Part of it was Kelly White, who runs our talent practice and does a lot of our placement and recruiting for, for clients, for many of your clients as well. Uh, has, she's like, I'm having the same conversations. I'm trying to keep trying to get everybody up to speed on what's right. going on in the market right now. And so that's, that's why I said, you know what, let's do a trends chapter on this, because it feels like that that talent market has has shifted in the last five years
0: it's so interesting jack you you know that i you know constantly we're surveying our top teams our elite clients our management clients and i'm always asking like what is the hottest role you're trying to fill right now what is the biggest need you have and it seems like every year depending upon the you know the group you're talking to it could be operational excellence. I need the integrator who can sort of put everything together for me to allow me to go be the visionary or to go out and, you know, go be the best listing agent on the team, as an example. Then it was recruiters for a long time. Then it was, oh my God, I need marketing. Then it was, I don't just need marketing. I need social. I need digital. I need to be able to do unbelievable Google ads and Facebook ads to try and generate more low-cost leads with no arbitrage. I mean, so it's always changing. What do you think is the hottest for a broker right now for a team lead? What is your team seeing is the hottest role that needs to be filled right now?
1: So we're filling a, we're filling a lot of roles, but I'll tell you the ones that keep coming up. Yeah. Are people that wear a title, something along the lines of the chief growth officer, Yep. or a director of growth. And yep. it's really, it's a, it's a level above now for a while it was recruiters and it's yep. still recruiters are always, always, in the always. always, in mix. Yep. but now it's, it's a level up from that where we're finding people that they're saying, Hey, I want an executive that's thinking about growth from a more broad-based perspective. Yeah, and that's in charge of my growth programs, which is yep. recruiting, increasing yep. production and merger acquisitions. Right.
0: Those, and, the, and those, services, right. And ancillary services, right? Ancillary services. Yep. For the
1: companies that are deciding to get into that, but yep. they're really looking at and saying, I'm going to put in, in charge of somebody who's in, who's going to drive our top line performance in a variety of ways, strategically. As opposed to tactically, I mean, tactically, you just hire a recruiter and say, go recruit, or you hire a coach and you say, go coach my agents to, you know, be more productive. But this is we're seeing people wanting to manage that and have a structure and a plan for so I I think that's and it's one of the positions we wrote, uh, there's a little job description in our report that. And we've said, this is one of the, one of the hottest positions. Recruiters are still very important. Uh, operations people, like chief operations, director of operations, people yep. that drive efficiency. The other trend, this is a long trend line that we're on. The other trend line is uh more transactions per agent. Like that is the trend line of the pr- most productive companies. Yep. Yep. And the way that people are getting there is with good operations support and yes. good operations people where they say, look, we can process, thousands of transactions very efficiently because we have an ops team in place that can do it. Right. And so that, so we see those roles being the ones that continue to be sought after and, and hired by many of our clients.
0: You guys wrote about this trend a long time ago, and I think it probably needs to be maybe re-socialized. And it's something that 2012, I was talking to Stefan about it and then we launched our team stuff in like 2014. And what I saw was the realization that a lot of team leaders have the epiphany. Salespeople should work with clients and do nothing else. That's it. They should just, hi, let's go look at a house. Hi, thanks for having me over. Let's talk about getting your home in the market. And a really good salesperson, they should just go on three, four appointments a day. They should not be involved in the paperwork. They should not be involved in the transaction. They should not be involved in which way the photo should be taken to launch a listing. And, and we've seen that Certainly you're talking about operational excellence. We've seen that trend really shine. Like I'm thinking about um, Teresa, one of our clients, a REMAX team leader down in Savannah, Georgia. Her per person productivity is like 40 transactions per agent. That's Redfin, right, that's Redfin right level. That's right. right it's unbelievable, and, and they make great money. They sell a ton of houses. She's a beautiful operator. Big shout out to Teresa, but she gets it. Sales people should sell houses and nothing else. Jack, I should have done this right out of the gate. Write this down, everybody, really fast. T, the number three, Trends, t3trends.com forward slash Tom Ferry, t3trends.com forward slash Tom Ferry. If you have not bought the Trends book, if you want the zeitgeist for all things real estate to go deep on this, I highly recommend it. I buy it every year. I get it from my coaches. It's just one of those things that when you have it, you just have a little extra edge Over, I don't know, 95% of the people inside your marketplace. And if you're looking for a degree of separation, hard to argue against this level of intelligence. So t3trends.com forward slash Tom Ferry. I'm sure, Jack, there's a Bananas special promotion, something. A good, yeah, you know. we,
1: we have a special Tom Ferry price in there and I, I appreciate you sharing the link to that. Um, definitely go pick up. There's a, di- you can get a digital only. Yep. And if you want to add a print copy, which I, I highly recommend adding a print yep. copy because you can do what I do to it, which is even though we wrote it, go. I still mark it up. I still yep. highlight it. I go through, yep. I, I work off of this. I've got highlighted versions of our trends reports when I'm consulting with our clients. They'll go 100%. back to year over year, year So
0: year. 100%. Uh, yeah, so there's a price gonna, for both. I'm gonna hit you with one last one. Uh, so you have inside here trend number four uh, inside the nation's largest, most profitable mortgage, or excuse me, brokerage company. I know who, but who and why? As Home Services of America, and and you're hold on, farming. hold hold on. You mean some would argue the most boring real estate company Warren Buffett owned is also the most profitable. Surprise, surprise.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. surprise, surprise. So, so it is, it is. So, we have been talking to home services for years. We've obviously known, we know Gino, we've known the management yep. team for years, but they're, you know, okay, they're- hold,
0: hold on, hold on, Jack. I got to just say for the people listening, Gino is a personal client of mine. I cold called him 33 years ago and invited him to come to one of my dad's superstar retreats. And I think he gave me, Jack, a credit card and signed up. Just to get me off the phone, and we've been friends for 33 years. So I knew I knew who it was, and I love seeing him ranked as the number one most influential. But there's there is so much to unpack in the way that they operate. His four disciplines of execution. So so just I I interrupted. I apologize. Unpack why why are they so wildly successful or just profitable?
1: So real estate. I think people get confused in this industry sometimes when they come in, and they think. This is a game of ideas. They go. This is a game of ideas. I'm going to have the next big idea. Now, ideas are important. Ideas are good.
0: Innovation. You know, yep.
1: Innovation is good. We need ideas. But this is an industry that's really won with execution. Like it is an execution because it's a transactive industry. It's a high volume. It's a right. consumer facing. Like there's a lot of trans four million, five million, six million transactions in the industry. So that is a game that you win via execution. And if you're looking from a profitability standpoint. It's all about how efficient you are and how well you execute. And that's something that home services has done very well. And we wanted to give them some recognition and credit for that and actually spend some time. So we were able to spend some time with their management team. We interviewed a lot of their internal leaders and said, how do you get done the things you get? First of all, tell us all the things that home services does, because a lot of people don't know about the company. They're not aware of it. And then how do you get these things done? And that's really what we wrote about in in the chapter is, is how they look at their products and services collectively, and how they work to be as efficient as possible, and bring those services to the consumer in in a united front, which I think is something that, you know, we talked about, we started this conversation with uh, talking about commissions and commission challenges and declining, declining overall profitability of brokerage. And, you know, and this is, this is what they've done, they've accepted that, and they've just executed uh, on that relentlessly, which has gotten them to the position they're in today.
0: And I think, you know, for the listener, that's an important distinction. It's not about, you know, in this case, we're, you know, I'm not we're not dogging Jack and I any of the other brands. We're acknowledging that they just focus on recruit quality agents and get them to produce and then make sure they use mortgage, title and closing services as much as possible cuz that's the cycle of productivity, efficiency, and profitability in any real estate business today. So big shout out to Gino, who I love. All right, Jack. So, you know, we, we've we gone through a bunch. There's a lot of trends here. I think everyone should just go to t3trends.com forward slash Tom Ferry. They should get a copy digital or print, whatever they want to do. But let's do some, uh, let's do some, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some what's hot, what's not. Great. You with love me? It. All right. Zillow, hot or not?
1: Um, Zillow, I think lukewarm. I think lukewarm. lukewarm.
0: Okay. I don't right. think
1: I don't think cold, but I don't yeah. think hot either. I think they're okay.
0: lukewarm right now. Okay. All right. Realtor.com, hot or not?
1: Well, apparently hot enough to cause the Murdochs to decide to uh unload them and co-star to be excited to take them to the dance. So right. uh, so I think I think realtor.com is hot right now from that perspective. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens under new ownership. If that actually happens, you know, we've, we've seen some improved performance out of them over the years. They did a very nice acquisition with Op city, but you know, it's not optimized yet. It has some work yeah. that needs to be done to it for yeah,
0: sure. I, I agree. Okay. Inside AKA KV core acquiring Boontown hot or not?
1: Oh, uh, super hot, super hot.
0: Yeah. That- oh, I got a super hot out of you.
1: Yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. So so um, Boomtown, those of you that have been in the industry for a while, Boomtown has been kind of a, a really mainstay lead generation product as much for the CRM product and the lead generation itself as for kind of the culture of the company. They have very strong events. People really like being part of that Boomtown, you know, collective uh, that that they've created. So a really strong company culture and inside real estate has had, you know, capital uh, vision uh, a desire to scale in some of the biggest enterprises and an acquisitive mentality they've acquired a lot of different things and so i think you put those two things together i think we're going to get something that's, that's very different out of it because they they inside real estate filled in something they they had some duplicate functionality yep. but not the same company not the same uh, you know devotion that i think a lot of boomtown users have had over the years.
0: Yep, I agree. I, I agree 100%. And yes, I am an investor in uh, Boomtown, so I'm super excited for Greer. And I now have gotten to know Joe, the CEO, and I think the two of them together, I think everybody, all their clients are going to win, which means all of Remax, all of eXp, right? Like the, all these huge, you know, uh, home services. And of course, everybody that was already with Boomtown. So it's going to be fun to watch. Um, Jack, prop tech right now. I'm going to make a statement and I, I want your, your opinion. I was sitting at dinner a couple of nights ago with a bunch of investors and, and they're like, what do you think, Ferry? Is it over for a while? And I said, no. I said, hundreds of thousands of really smart people. They might've been B minus players. They might've been C plus players at Google and all these other companies are all getting laid off right now and they're all going to have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to want to innovate. I, I am convinced, just like in seven, eight, nine, ten, we saw some of the greatest innovation that impacted all of us in housing. I think we're going through it again right now. Jack, what are your thoughts?
1: So I, I think you're right. I think you're right. The the uh the prop tech revolution is not over. And the reason is there are so many other markets that have been, you know, thoroughly gone after by technology companies. Right. And where it's very clear, like Oh, yeah. Video streaming services, uh, delivery services of many different flavors. Uh, There's lots of things that tech has been applied to. Real estate remains uh, still an untamed industry in many respects. Like we've had a lot of work done to it. But what we just did is the people in prop tech learned a lot. They just learned a lot. And they're going to go back and rethink and re-engineer and come back because the opportunity is still there. As you know, real estate is... It's the biggest market we have. It's an enormous market, and so there's a ton of opportunity for them still in this market. So they're not going to give up. Neither by neither are the banks, neither the mortgage companies, neither yeah. financial financial institutions. I think we like to we like to uh, be angry when they you know come into our industry, and then we like to cheer when they get shut down or they have a problem or they get bought up. But they're they're move they continue to move into our industry with innovation and bringing right. innovation. In. And I think. Right. I think we should roll with it, and it's we're not done. And I re, I would agree with you. I, I think we're going to see I think we're going to see more of it uh, by some very smart, dedicated, talented people that want to make the home buying transaction easier for everybody.
0: In the U.S., five percent of the GDP is all things real estate transactions, and seventeen percent is all things housing, everything associated with a home. That is a enormous addressable market. So of course they're going to continue to go after it. Um I know you guys are seeing a lot of deals. I probably had 10 really good pitches already this year on companies that I'm like, I want to buy this entire company or pass, right? And, you know, usually predicated on the same stuff. You know, is there a big enough addressable market? Are they solving a, a really good problem? Do they have a great management team? You know, are they going to be well capitalized? And and my big one, and I know you you get this, is do you care about the real estate agent? If you care about the real estate agent, you have me as an ally. If you in any way, shape, or form think you're gonna disrupt real estate agents or disrupt they, you know, they if they call it like, well, you know, just the average Joe, we want to disrupt them. I'm like, meeting's over. Thanks. Thanks. Every agent matters. You know what I mean? Of course, we want the most successful ones to sell more and do better. But I, I'm super bullish. I think this is this is gonna be a year where we're gonna see some really cool companies, harder to get financing. Harder to get, you know, that, to get that early seed money capital and maybe a series A that is worthwhile. But if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, hold out, stay true to your dream, roll up your sleeves, work 75 hours a day and get the job done. And then call Jack and I. How about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. agree. agreed. Closing,
0: closing, closing thoughts?
1: Closing thoughts. So this is going to be a year that, you know, we're seeing in the market. We're we're really gonna have, you're gonna put your shoulders in this year. So we think yep. it's why we write the trends report every year. We write it to give people that advantage. By the way, there's a couple of really good chapters on the benefits of home ownership. We I looked know. at it and said, yeah. let's really do a deep dive on that. Right, helpful right now if people yes. are sitting on the sidelines. There's another chapter on just where the home uh, industry trends are right now. Who's moving where? What are the regions and sectors and kind of big picture kind of how things are moving around? So you know we're 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 always bullish on long with real estate this is going to be a year where people really have to put their shoulder into it and, and get to work because that's where we are. That's just where yeah. we are. And those, I know your clients are that way. We're that way. You know, we've been, this is not our, our first time to see a year where there's a lot less transactions, but make use of the ones you get to grow your market share and capitalize on the opportunity that, that a that a slower market presents to you.
0: Right. So I would just say to everybody, if you look at the trends over the last 20 years, this is actually just a normal market, right? Call it, you know, 4 million, 4.2 million, you know, homes sold, residential, not including new construction, which probably total set 5 million total houses, two sides of each transaction, lots of opportunity. But the argument I'm making for everybody, Jack, is twofold. First, whoever is marketing and having consistent conversations, meaningful conversations and scheduling appointments. They are winning right now, which I will end with this point, Jack. I say to people all the time, you want to know what's working right now? People ask me all the time, Tom Ferry, what's working right now? Jack, ask me what's working right now. What's working right now, Tom? You know what's working right now? Working. That is what's working right now. All my friends know, they're they're giggling right now, but you know what I'm saying. It's getting over your feelings and making the phone calls. It's getting over your feelings and sending the email. It's getting over your feelings and sending the text. It's getting over your feelings and shooting the video. It's getting over your feelings because no one cares how you feel starting with your bank account. Get out there and do the work. Make sure you get over to t3trends.com forward slash Tom Ferry. Jack, as always, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to see you in Austin soon. I'm going to be down there in March. So we'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks so so much.
1: Great. All right.
0: Thank you, my friend, for watching. We'll see you guys soon. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again. And talk to you soon.